You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions. Thank you for joining me today. A better and lasting possession. A better and lasting possession is the title of this devotion. Here in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about this. Oh, uh, this chapter 10, I know it's a bit of a long chapter. It has 39 verses. It's kind of like Romans 8. It has 39 verses. Oh, those chapters, Romans 8, Hebrews 10, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is a short chapter, only has 12 verses. Psalm 23 has only, what, eight verses? I mean, you know, these, these chapters in the Bible stand out, amazing chapters. Oh, you take 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which I think has 58 verses, is incredible. That 1 Corinthians 15 is like Isaiah 53, it's like Romans 8. And I'm not saying that the other chapters are not as amazing and as wonderful, don't misunderstand, but here we have Hebrews chapter 10. It is phenomenal, folks, especially when you take it within the 13 chapters of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 32, we are given this important message from the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you receive this because what I really long for in these devotions, especially this week, is that your hearts are set on things above, that you live from above. Proverbs 14, verse 14, in the second part of that verse says, a good man is satisfied from above. And if you read that from the Amplified Translation, oh my goodness, it will send you up to to glory praising God that is so rich that a good man is satisfied by the holy and good thoughts that his own heart prompts and in which he delights. It is so wonderful. I love all these verses. And you see, God wants us to learn to live from above where our treasure Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That our treasure is Jesus. Jesus is the pearl of great price. Jesus is the treasure of glory. And that we bear the treasure of his life, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, in this earthen vessel. And that we may have this treasure in this earthen vessel so that it is plain for us to realize and others to see that this glory of this life we have through Jesus is not of human birth, but comes from heaven. And that we are but an earthen vessel with a heavenly treasure. That's what 2 Corinthians 4 teaches you. And so I, I want so much for our hearts to long for heaven and home and that we may experience that heavenly life of feeling at home with God right here, right now through His indwelling presence. Like it says in Ephesians 2 verse 18, we are no longer strangers, but we are citizens and members, fellow members, citizens and members of God's own household. 
We cry, Abba, Father, by His Spirit in us. Oh, it is amazing, amazing. I mean, I think about 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, even though it has not yet become visible. It is not apparent yet what we shall be as long as we're in this body. But this we know. When we see Him, we will be like Him. Oh, my goodness, if you think about these thoughts and let them permeate the depths of your character and nature by praying them, talking about them, being busy in your thinking about them, then your whole life is filled with that heavenly glory and you live from above and you receive your life from your union with Jesus and you allow your roots to grow deep into Him as you daily draw your nourishment for living as He lives from your union with Him and you become like Him by His Spirit in you and you begin to think and act and talk and be like Him as His Spirit takes full control of your person and conforms you into His nature and character and love and goodness and you live from above. That is the real message of this devotion today. So read with me from this phenomenal chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 32, okay? <clears throat> but recall, remember, the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Come on, think about that. Let's read that from the Amplified. That's, oh, I, these verses. I know I have a habit of saying I love these scriptures and I know you've heard me say it. Sorry about that, that I'm so repetitive, but okay. You could see what lives in my heart by what I say all the time. But be ever mindful of the days gone by in which after you were first spiritually enlightened, you endured a great and painful struggle. <clears throat> right? And I'll continue in the King James. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches, you were made fun of that you were a Christian, that you weren't one of them, so to speak, now you were different. Now you go to church. Now you stop smoking. Now you stop doing dope. Now you, now you stop cussing. I mean, what's wrong with you? When in, uh, when in 1912 and 1913, Evan Roberts was by the Holy Spirit ministering in Wales, the Holy Spirit came so phenomenally during those days there that within five weeks, 20,000 people were added to the church. And during church time, they had to close the pubs because nobody came. And a pub in Britain is often a place where you go eat and not just drink. Uh, you have a whole meal. But they had to close because nobody would come because they were all in church. Seriously. And they had to change the donkeys that worked in the mines in those days because the only way the donkeys obeyed was through cussing, but the miners stopped cussing because they got filled with the Holy Spirit and they couldn't do it anymore. And we ought to take note of that when we maybe still have a tongue that dares to speak in a way that we know is not, not holy. Okay, I wanna be gentle about this because 
if you still suffer with using language that is profane and rude and ungodly, believe me, I have faith for you that God will work that and perfect that, okay? But he says, listen, you were reproached, made a spectacle of by reproaches, tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, you were unashamed of being part of people that were living right and living holy. You know, they make fun of, oh yeah, they go to church. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I, I mean, I've known them for years. I know what they're like. And now all of a sudden they're holy and now all of a sudden they go, but I know still things about, see, they're mocking. You're, you're being a, a mockery and you become a friend of those people that go to church. Oh, you're yeah, with them now. Oh, okay, yeah. See, and you're reproached and mocked. And, and that's what, what the scripture here is saying. You were made a spectacle of both by tribulations, uh, by reproaches, partly while you become a companion of those who were trained. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Listen now, here it comes. Knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. You see, it's not just, hey, I go to church, I sing, I pray, I read my Bible, right? So I'm different. No, it's not enough. It's not enough. Sorry. I know sometimes we, we can take such encouragement and feel so that we've changed because we go to church, we pray, we read our Bible, we sing and worship. And, 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 and please don't misunderstand, it's, it's not that that is not of value and amazing and wonderful, but it's not enough. What do you mean? You need to have the revelation that you have a better and lasting possession awaiting you in heaven. You need to have that heavenly vision. You see, the scripture says, my people perish for lack of vision. And another place it says, my people cast off restraint for lack of redemptive revelation. In other words, what commits you and motivates you and makes you devoted to live a life worthy of God is because you have the joy set before you, like it says in Hebrews 12, that Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. You see that joy of entering into his heavenly life with the Father and being seated at his right hand and having that union with his Father was, was worth it all, was worth it all. So when people would encourage him to deny God and save himself, he said, no, no, I can't. Because of what I know is awaiting me is so much greater, no. I can't deny it. It's more valuable to me than life itself. Like David says in Psalm 63, Lord, your love for me is worth more than me than life itself. And you see, friends, you need more than just, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, I worship, I sing. You need that heavenly vision where you then go, you know, I'm sorry, I can't watch that anymore. You know, I'm sorry, I can't talk like that anymore. Why not? 
It's so alien to that life that awaits me, of which I've become a partaker. It's so alien to that holiness, to that heavenliness, to that love, to that light, to that glory that awaits me, that, is, that I've become in possession of, having a better and lasting possession. I've come into possession. I embody this life that awaits me, that beckons me upwards, that calls me upwards, that I press to take hold of all of it for, that I gladly let go of anything that would defile me for it. I never, ever want to give it up. You see, it says in Hebrews 11 that Abraham could have returned to the world from which he came if he looked back. But he steadfastly looked to a city whose maker and builder was God that he had become in possession of that he had become a member of, that he had become a citizen of that city. You see, friends, when you get this redemptive revelation, when the light of that heavenly life bursts through the darkness of your own heart and gives you the knowledge of the true and living God, your Father and Jesus, your Christ, your Savior, your anointed one, your embodiment of the Holy Spirit, you have what it takes not to let go. You have what it takes to press on. You have what it takes to let go of what would defile you and to take a hold of all that's yours in Christ. And so I want to encourage you today, set your heart on things above. I'll close with two little verses here. Oh, the first one is so sweet and you know it. Jesus says here in John chapter 14, verse 1, He says, let not your hearts be troubled while living in this world, so to speak. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Jesus talked about going home to heaven, to live in that holy of holies, to be seated in that beauty with his Father, to be in that communion with his Father in heaven in perfect light and love, where there's no sin and where there's no darkness and no evil that is so prevalent in this world, was so, and yet so matter of fact to him so glorious and yet so matter of fact. Why? Because it was already living in his heart, beckoning him home. And for that, he willingly gave up everything. Oh, my dear friends, I want to encourage you. Let your hearts be set on things above. Let your joy be set before you that you now have become a member of God's household. And in closing, the Lord says here in Revelation chapter 22, verse uh, verse 12. Revelation 22, verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his word. Come on, friends. 
today. Let's have that work of love, of goodness that comes from our union with our loving Heavenly Father and our wonderful redeeming Savior Jesus. That work of mercy, I, I remember that a great, beautiful man of God who went to be with Jesus when he was only 30 years old, David Breinhardt, look him up, Jonathan Edwards uh, did his memoir. Jonathan Edwards, a great man of God, whose daughter, Yerusha, was engaged with Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards gave his life to reach the North American Indian tribes and reached them and saw the transforming power of God. But that work he did cost him physically. And so he, he then passed away when he was 30. But he said something, many things that, that are dear to my heart. But one thing he said, I have nothing to do with earth, but to labor in it for God. And he, and, and, and he was not silly about this, you see. He was engaged with Jerusha to get married. They were in love. So don't think just because you work for God, you can't enjoy the blessings of this life. You can enjoy the blessings of this life, but your heart is set on things above. And you live for that glory that's been revealed in you. And yet you're thankful about all these things, but it's, it's not, you see, some people live for that. They don't live for Him. Live for Him and He will give you that and He will bless that. But that is the secret of true joy in this life, that you live for Him and He blesses you in this life. But I have nothing to do with earth but to labor in it for God, David Brynard said. The Apostle Paul, in the phenomenal chapter 20 of the book of Acts, he said, my life on earth would be meaningless unless it was spent in the joy of doing the work that Christ has given me on this earth. Again, my life on earth would be meaningless unless it was spent in the joy of doing the work that Christ has given me. If you become idle and self-indulgent, you become poor spiritually and become indifferent and unsatisfied and unhappy. But if you stay active in the Lord and keep serving, serve in the place that He's given you, serve in that place of your responsibility. Think about John the Beloved. I know I'm going on a bit, but let me close with this. Think about John the Beloved, the Apostle. When he was young, him and his brother James, oh, they were so passionate and fiery that Jesus called them sons of thunder when they were wanting to call fire down on the whole village and kill everybody because they wouldn't receive him. And, and Jesus said, no, you don't realize this spirit you're embracing. I did not come to destroy man's life, but to save them. You know, and, and they had a long, long journey ahead of them to learn to become more like Jesus. And Jesus there, hanging on the cross, looked at his mother and he said to his mom, Mom, look at your son, John. John, look at your mother, Mary. And from that day, the scripture says, John took Mary into his home. And Jesus had four brothers, James, Joseph, Jude, Simon, four sons 
four other brothers. And uh, not Simon Peter, different Simon. And they did not believe up to that point. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ. Later they did. But John had to take them into his home while he was supporting Peter. Because you read the book of Acts, it's all Peter, 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 Peter. And John was there. Peter and John went to the temple. Peter said, silver and gold have enough. Peter, Peter, preaching on the day of campaign. And you see, John was happy to support Peter. Now, in those days, somebody could have looked at John and said, you know, John, it looks like the master has given more to Peter than to you. I bet you that John would have said, he's given it to me to take care of his family. What do you mean? He's given Peter more. I have the privilege to take care of his family. They live in my home. His mom, his dad's passed away. His mom lived there and his brothers and sisters lived there with me in my home. What do you mean he's given Peter more? And, and look, he's given it to me to support Peter and stand alongside him. And you see in that daily work for Jesus, which I can tell you was not always easy, was all sometimes terribly painful and hard to take care of all those kids and to help help them get along and help them find their way. But he did it. He was re responsible in the place of his responsibility for the Lord, the work he did. You mean the Lord gave more to Peter than to John when John writes the Gospel of John and his three letters and the book of Revelation and outlived all the apostles? So don't ever think that God gives one more than the other. We all are given work in His service by which He shows that we are His servants and by which we live for that glory of heaven and what reward awaits us in His presence. Keep your eyes on it. Amen. Have a good day.